We just sang for a long time about God's faithfulness. That is like the message of my heart, the faithfulness of God. Are you okay? Okay. <laughs> the, my favorite verse in the Bible is the Lord will do what he says. Because if we can rest in that, if we can rest in confidence of who our God is and that he is a, a God of his word, then we can just rest. The rest of our life is just a response to him. You know, he breathed life into us and every day we're breathing breaths of response back to him. When we worship, our worship is a response back to the life that he's already given to us. We're just responding to what he's already done. So when we have a confidence of the faithfulness of God, we can just rest, just rest and receive and live and respond to who he is as a good father. So that's a preface into my message today. I'm not going to talk about um, that, even though I could. I love speaking about the Lord will do what he says. Um, Some people get tired of me hearing hearing me say the Lord will do what he says. But guess what? The Lord will do what he says, guys. (laughs) So it is right. The Bible says it. It's true. So um, in our in our church, in our family, we have three core values, which you are now going to receive a pop quiz on. You two are not allowed to answer. Okay. So um, some of you might not know. Some of you are visiting. Some of you are new. That's fine. But for the ones who have been here and we have drilled it into your soul, what are our three core values of giving light? Go ahead. Shout them out. All right. Awesome. Give yourselves a round of applause. They are covenant, bravery, and influence. So we have those defined in our um, specific definition. Um, You can find that in our bulletin or on our website. I'm not going to read those long definitions today, but today I'm going to talk about one of those. Um, It it started out where I was going to talk about covenant, but guess what, guys? Today I'm talking about bravery. So we're going to talk about bravery. We love that word around here. Our um, music department is called Brave Music. Our children's ministry is called Lionheart. Like, how much more of a brave word can you get? Lionheart Children's Ministry. So some of the the literal definitions of the word bravery are to dare or defy the odds, to confront with resolution or courage, to put on a showy display. So part of our definition, those are from the dictionary, those things that I just read. Part of our definition for bravery is that we believe in a God of the impossible and we will boldly go where he leads. That is a brave statement. Last week in Children's Church, we were talking about audacious faith. And the way that we defined that in class was we believe, I want to read it to you correctly, believing God for the impossible and doing something about it. It's basically the same thing. You're just using a little bit different word. So believing God for the impossible and doing something about it. So it's one thing to believe that he can, but it's another thing to step into that audacious, brave faith and do something about it. So bravery is not just believing that it's true. It's responding to the truth. So um, how many of you know Dr. Tim Hammond? If you don't, he's coming in April. So you'll get to meet him. 
I don't, we haven't announced that. Well, you'll get more details about that this week. Um, but Dr. Tim Hammond, he's um, one of Bishop Hammond's sons. Um, he was with us years ago, and he spoke this message that was so profound. If you don't know Dr. Tim, and you'll get to know him, he is like the most even-keeled man, but like he packs a punch. Yeah. Like he can say few words with a lot of power. And so he spoke this message years ago that we still talk about um, today. And the bottom line to that message was just three words. And those words were, hear and obey. It was the most powerful message. And it could be summed up in those three words, hear and obey. And that's really what bravery boils down to. Yeah. Hearing and obeying the voice of God. And today I'm going to talk about the power of our yes. So we've been singing that song, Yes and Amen. That's been like a repeat song of mine for a long time. So when it showed up on the set list, I was like, yes. <laughs> now they'll, everyone will know. It's an amazing song. So it just we're saying yes and amen. And really the song is talking about the faithfulness of God. All your promises are yes and amen. We can believe. We can stand firm, confident, and strong, knowing that the promises of God for our life are yes and amen. Yes. That we can be um, confident in his faithfulness. And so sometimes when we think about bravery, we think big. How many of you, like if you think bravery, you think like diary of a wimpy kid, like the little, no, like you think big, strong, like Captain America, you think superheroes, you think big, you think brave. Um, and so sometimes bravery is that big showy display. One of the definitions of bravery is a showy display um, and so sometimes it is that brave, big moment. But sometimes it's the, it's the, the other definition of bravery is resolution or courage. Sometimes bravery looks like a resolution in our heart that no matter what, even when it doesn't look like the big things are happening, even when it's just day to day, there's a resolution in my heart that I'm going to hear and obey the voice of God. I'm going to hear and respond to his leading. And so... Um, just to get a little bit personal, um, everybody say leaders are people too. Okay, great. We've established that I'm a human being, so now I can move forward. So um, just a, a little personal um, note in my message is throughout my whole life, from the time I was very small, I have gone through seasons of depression and anxiety in my life. Remember, I'm a human being, guys. All of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, she's broken. No, it's okay. I'm just human. So from the time I was a little girl, I went through these cycles. And I remember waking up as a little girl and like not even knowing what the torment was going on. Like I didn't know how to explain it. My parents are here. I don't know if you remember these times, but they had five little people to take care of. So it might have all blurred together. But I would wake up not knowing what was going on, um, not knowing how to explain the torment that I was feeling. And my mom had these books. I know you remember these, called Prayers That Avail Much. These books were like everywhere in our house. And so as a little girl, um, when I would wake up in those moments, mom would get up with me and go, and we would sit down, and she would make me repeat 
all these books are are just prayers out of scripture. They're just decrees and prayers straight out of scripture. And so um, she would get up with me and we would sit down and she would make me repeat and read these prayers until I could fall asleep, till I had peace. And so that was a practice that I learned from the time I was a little girl of how to lean on the word of God, how to lean, even though there was torment happening all around, how to lean and depend on the faithfulness of God, even though it's not what I was experiencing in that moment. And so um, even now, when depression creeps in to my life, I can only speak for myself, but now I have that rhythm of being able to lean into God and lean into what he's saying. Does that mean that I still never feel depressed? No, I can say last week I felt depressed. I'm being honest with you guys. So, so that it's not that it never creeps back up, but I, I've learned a rhythm that helps me dig my way out, get out of that much faster than I would without those things. And so um, still when those things come up, there was a day um, like, I don't know, a week or two ago where I woke up and that heaviness, for some reason in the mornings, it feels worse for me personally sometimes. So I wake up and right away, how many of you wake up and you just wish it was great, sunshiny day? And it's just not always that way. You wake up and you're like, great, it's negative three outside. I so want to go out there. And so, no. (laughs) And so I just woke up and I had this heaviness just hit me right away. And I just reached over and grabbed my phone. I know you're not supposed to sleep with your phone, but whatever, I do. So I reached over and I grabbed my phone and I put on this song called Faithful to the End. And I just laid there. How many of you know what a morning voice is? (laughs) You don't want to sing your, your um, star performance right away in the morning. So I woke up, and I grabbed my phone, and I turned on this song, Faithful to the End, and I laid there, and I go, there wasn't a day that you weren't by my side. There wasn't a day that you let me fall. For all of my life, your love has been true. For all of my life, I will worship you. And so right from the get-go in the morning, I learned that I have to run to the faithfulness of my God right away. And sometimes it takes more than a second. But sometimes it's weak, and sometimes it's in your groggy morning voice. But going back and leaning or relying on the faithfulness of God can push you forward out of that cycle. Um, Even when it doesn't feel like it in the moment, it's pulling you out. And so sometimes it doesn't have to be a big grand response to be brave. Sometimes it's just a resolution that says, okay, I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again because I know that you're faithful. I know that you're good. And so, um, so why am I telling you this? Well, I just said it because in our weak moments, the bravest thing that we can do is to say yes anyway, is to say yes and respond to him and believe that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said that he'll do. And so even the smallest, weakest yes, even in our groggiest morning voice, weak moments, even the smallest yes of our life is unprecedented to God. The results are are unprecedented. It means they're beyond our understanding. They're beyond our reach. The, The response of our yes reverberates through all of eternity. At some point, okay, I can't go there yet. Um, so, but if we look at, at David, how many of you think David was awesome? How many of you have killed a bear lately with your bare hands? 
<laughs> in your mind. I don't even want to kill a mouse with my bare hands, let alone a bear. So when we think David, we think David is the man, right? He killed a, he killed a lion. He killed a bear. He, killed, he slayed Goliath. Like, didn't just kill him with a little stone. Like, then he went and chopped off his head. Like, he is the man's man, right? So David is kind of like the epitome of the big, brave moment that we would think of, right? But how many of you know that there was more to David's life than just the lion and the bear moments? I want to read Psalm 3. You can read all through the Psalms. There's a lot of them. But in Psalm 3 specifically, um, in this moment of David's big, brave life, he's running for his life from his son who's trying to kill him. So you can't say that David just had all these victorious moments and it was never a down moment for him. Read the guy's life. Like, His son is now trying to kill him in this moment. And this is what he said. Lord, I have many enemies. Many people have turned against me. Many people are talking about me. They say God won't rescue him. But Lord, you are my shield. You are my wonderful God who gives me courage. I will pray to the Lord and he will answer me from his holy mountain. I can lie down and go to sleep. And I will wake up again because the Lord protects me. These are literal words for him. Sometimes David's words were poetic. He's literally saying, I can go down to sleep and trust that somebody's not going to kill me in my sleep. Thousands of enemies may surround me, but I am not afraid. Lord, rise up. My God, comes and, come and save me. You have hit my enemies on the cheek. You have broken the teeth of the wicked. The Lord can, can save his people. Lord, bless your people. So, How many of you can say that you've had hard times in your life? You're lying to me. All right. Have you all had hard times in your life? Yes. Yes. All right. So, me too. So, how many of you have ever had to run for your life because your kid's trying to kill you? I mean, don't raise your hand if that's actually (laughs) happened. Thank the Lord you're here. Um, But... But So we all go through struggles in our life, but what did David do? Continually, constantly, through his whole life, he goes and he dumps it out before God. He says, God, this is what is happening. This is what's hurting me. This is, I'm experiencing pain. And he lays it all out before God. And then, so it's real. He's not denying what's happening. Sometimes we have this idea that faith is denying reality. It's not. David constantly went before the Lord, and he laid it all out there. And then what did he do? He always turned back to the faithfulness of God. He always turned back to the promises that God had made him. So um, it doesn't mean that, that to be brave, that your life has to be perfect or awesome. Bravery sometimes is laying it all out before the Lord continually, constantly going before him, laying it all out there and not pretending like everything is okay. Sometimes we think that, in or, like, I'm brave. Nothing affects me. I'm not hurt. And then like the people around you are like, they don't even realize they have a knife sticking out of their head right now because they're walking around like, yeah, everything is awesome. The Lego song. Why did I do that? Everything is awesome. So they're just walking around like, what was your motto? I hear no, I feel no pain. It was before my time. A rock feels no pain and an island never cries. Sometimes we think that is bravery. Nothing hurts me. I don't, pain doesn't affect me. 
But that is not bravery. Bravery is what David did. He took it before the Lord and he says, I am in pain. This hurts. I'm struggling with this. People are trying to kill me. And then what did he do? He responded to the Lord's promises and then he he filled himself back up. Sometimes we have to go before the Lord and empty it all out. Notice I'm saying before the Lord. Yes, we need other people in our lives, but we don't always need to go and dump everything on people. So if you are, and there are times for this, I can't go into that in this message, but there are times for going to other people. We need other people um, see our value of covenant. But sometimes we need to go before the Lord and just empty out. And when I say sometimes, myself included, I think every six months will be good. Like, I would just think, all right, every once in a while, maybe spring cleaning is a good idea. But no, this is like every day. This is like every moment that we're feeling this stuff. We just go before the Lord. It does not have to be a deep sozo. It does not have to be, all right, give me an hour, kids. I'll feed you later. I need to go weep before the Lord. Like, no, this can be just a continual thing. Sometimes we have to weep before the Lord. I'm a strong proponent of a good cry sometimes. But sometimes we just got to get into that rhythm of just dumping it out before the Lord and then allowing him to fill us up with who he is and responding to that. So one thing I love about God, now if you know me, I don't like being wet. I don't at all. Like, my friends buy me umbrellas because I hate, I just don't like being wet. But when the Lord comes, one thing I love about him is that he cleanses us with his rain, with his, with his flood, if you will. He comes and he cleanses us, but at the exact same time, he fills us up. So when we go before the Lord and we empty out, there's always a promise that at the same time, he's going to fill us up if we, if we receive it. We can't dump it all out and then put a lid. No, we got to receive what he has to, has to fill us up. So, um, so again, sometimes bravery is a big Goliath moment. How many of you want that moment? Like, Yes. But sometimes it is a resolution and it is a a constancy and it is a rhythm of our life of responding to him, of going before the Lord, emptying out and allowing him to fill us up. So um, my definition of the fear of the Lord is this. Say Katie's definition. That way any theologians out there aren't going to come smite me down. But um, my definition of the fear of the Lord is saying that God is first and that he is most. It's making him first. And if you look at the commandments, the first commandment listed in the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. The greatest commandment, God says, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. He is first and he is most. The fear of God is saying that nothing has power over me except for God. No matter what I face or experience, he has ultimate rule and reign in my life. Now, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, right? Repentance is a change of mind or a change of ways. It's his kindness that leads us to want to change. So when we go before God and we acknowledge reality in our lives... And we go before him, we're trusting that his kindness is going to lead us to change whatever we need to change. We only have control over ourselves. You cannot change another person. How many of you have learned that lesson? Married people, you can't change another person. But we can change 
us, but it's his kindness. It's going before him and trusting in him that leads us into a place where we're no longer comfortable to stay where we were. We want to respond to him that pulls us into a change of mind or a change of ways. So that's the fear of the Lord. He is first and he is most. Now, demonic fear, on the other hand, is anything that would try to make itself bigger than God. Anytime I fear, I'm seeing something as more powerful than God. If you really think about it, anytime I'm afraid, it's because something is appearing. I'm perceiving something in my life as bigger and stronger than God. And so fear will keep us from obedience because if we fear God, then nothing is bigger than him. When he speaks and we respond, nothing will hold us back. There's nothing that can stop us. But fear, the demonic fear will come and say, I can't step out because fill in the blank, because something is bigger than what God is saying. So fear will keep us from obedience. Fear will always lie to us and say that it's safer in the boat than it is out on the water with Jesus. Fear will, fear, say fear is a liar. Fear will make your molehills appear to be mountains. Fear will make you feel powerless. It like just strips you of your power. It's like all of a sudden, I cannot move. I cannot move forward. And sometimes fear is that terror that like actually paralyzes us. But um, when the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, that word fear means timidity. It's not a paralyzing fear. It's a fear that keeps us from moving forward. Um, that we're just timid. We're just like, we, we just can't trust that God is who he says he is. Um, the, and that word timidity in the dictionary actually means, get this, lacking in self-assurance, courage, or bravery. So had to pull that in there again. I know. This is a dictionary. So um, God has not given us the spirit of timidity that would take away our bravery The enemy wants to strip us of our courage, of our bravery, and make anything in our life, big or small, appear bigger than God. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, right? And so if I can't make a decision in my life because I'm held back by fear, if I can't make a decision that is is motivated by love, power, and a sound mind, by self-control, then I am walking in fear in some element of my life. So that will always keep us back from obedience. It'll always keep us back from saying yes to God. And so um, God created us to walk in a place without fear. God did not ordain fear. It wasn't until sin entered that fear entered. God, God, with, with God, he's saying, I am supreme. I am the biggest, most powerful force of all time, ever, outside of time. And so the enemy wants to keep us from seeing that, from seeing that every time that we say yes to him, it will end good. Say, my end is good. Okay. So every time that we say yes to God, an effect takes place in the spirit. So sometimes, how many of you know that we have consequences to our actions? Okay. Sometimes we see those consequences right away. If I took a fork and jammed it into an electrical socket, I am going to experience the consequences of my actions immediately. Okay? Sometimes the consequences of our actions, the effects are not, it's a process, and we notice the effects over time. I am a reformed Oreo addict. 
and lately recovered, as you know, Christmas. But if I eat a pack of Oreos every day, I'm not going to notice the effects of that today. But over a process of time, I and probably you am going to notice the results, the consequences of my actions, right? So sometimes it takes a period of time. Sometimes we'll never actually see the full extent of our obedience, of our, of our, our actions. Sometimes we, we'll see parts of it where we're never going to see the fullness of it. So do you think that Abraham, when he said yes to God, do you think that he saw us sitting here today because of him? No. He didn't see the full, I mean, you know, now a cloud of witnesses, but um, he didn't see the full effect of his obedience when he was on the earth. When he first said yes to God, he didn't see all of that. Abraham's life was a process of saying yes, 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 yes. And those yeses, every single one of them reverberates throughout eternity. And he'll never, well, I mean, he, he will now, but on earth, he never would have seen the power of his yes. He never would have seen all of the ripples that took place from his one yes after another yes after another yes. And so, um, and so sometimes bravery is those big, audacious, courageous moments. How many of you would say that it did take bravery for David to kill Goliath? We think Esther, when she went before the king, if I die, I die. That's bravery. I'm not signing up for that role, you know. <laughs> Paul and Silas were arrested, thrown in jail, and said, don't preach. What do they do as soon as they get out of jail? They go out and they preach again. Some would say they're not too bright, but they were brave, right? So sometimes it does look like those big moments. Sometimes bravery is those, those big, grandiose moments, and so when we look at Peter, I think Peter is awesome because Peter's a hot mess. Like, if you look at Peter, he was like a firecracker, like, nothing's going to stop me, you know, chopping off ears and things. So Peter, we look at Peter, and what do we think when we think Peter? Well, I mean, you might think a lot of things, but we think he's the only guy who walked on the water, right, with Jesus. And so... In Matthew 14, Jesus is walking on the water, and um, Peter, because he's Peter, he says, if it's you, call me out with you. And so Jesus says, come on out. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and what happens? He walks on the water. Like, that's, to me, like, that's a brave moment. And he is trusting um, that that water is going to support him, that his obedience is going to support him. So he steps out of the boat, he walks on the water, and he gets afraid, right? And he starts to sink. And Jesus lifts him up and says, and Jesus, in my own paraphrase, Jesus says, don't ever doubt that your obedience is not going to support you. So he steps out of the boat, and he, start, he starts to notice what's happening. At first, he was being obedient. Then he starts to notice what's happening. And Jesus pulls him up, and it was like Jesus spoke into his life and said, when you obey, you have to trust. You have to have confidence that your obedience is going to rise up to meet you and carry you. And so, um, so that was a big moment. And so when God speaks and when God calls us to take a risk in him, at the exact same time, you have to think, um, I, okay, you have to think that when you step out, like if you're standing on the ledge of a cliff and God calls you to take a big risk, you have to trust that at the exact same time that God spoke that call to you, that he also 
rose up the ground to meet you, even though you can't see it. You have to trust that when you step out, that he's not going to let you fall, that he's actually going to come up to meet you, that your obedience is going to sustain you as you step out. And so Peter was one of those people who said yes to God over and over again. Yes, 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 yes. Was he flawed? Was he human? Yes. Um, But he said yes. And what did God say? God said, you're going to be the rock that I build my church on. And so those yeses were building a platform for him that eventually he became the platform, quote unquote, for the entire church to be built upon. And so every time that we say yes to God, we're not only creating a personal history with him that will lead us into our inheritance, but we're also, we're like the bricks in God's hands, building the kingdom upon the earth. So I don't know who said this originally, but we cannot doubt in the dark what we heard in the light. Jane Hammond. Thank you, Jane Hammond. Apostle Jane, we love you. All right. So we cannot doubt in the dark what we heard in the light. When God calls you to take a big risk, you have to trust. And you, can, you have a history of his faithfulness that, no, that you know that when you step out, your obedience is going to sustain you. And so God wants to make a big showy display in our lives. Um, you were not called to be the same person in 2018 that you were in 2017. Now, that has nothing to do with the calendar year. You might think, you know, new beginnings, all of that stuff with a new year, that's great. But it has nothing to do with a calendar year. The fact is that in God, you were never created to stay the same. You were always created to be going from glory to glory to glory. So um, God has more in store for us than we could ever imagine. And something that God um, showed me a long time ago is that we can have as much of God as we want. Um, I believe in a lot of ways we can have whatever we want. We can have as much of God as we want, but it's a constant yes. It's a continual yes. I will step out. I will have faith. I will believe that your promises are true. And so um, when we start to feel, like if you start to feel that drawing, that conviction inside of you, when your comfort zone starts to become uncomfortable, recognize that God is calling you into a a yes, a place of of acknowledging, okay, am I going to stay the same or am I going to say yes and respond to what you're doing in my life? And you might not know what that's going to look like, which is the scary part. That's the brave part. But every time we say yes to him, the results are unprecedented. Pastor Joel went late last week. Can I go late? (laughs) No. Um, So sometimes God's going to call us into a deeper place that is going to require our lives to look different than they did before. So I want to talk just a little, I'm just going to paraphrase, um, about Elijah and Elisha. Um, God has said to Elijah, go find a successor. And so um, Elisha is out plowing a field with his plow, um, I imagine. And so he's out doing that, and Elijah goes, and he throws his coat on him, which is a mantling of saying, you are my successor. And, um, and Elisha says, okay, let me go say goodbye to my mom and dad, and then I'm coming. And Elijah says, you know, go. And so Elisha goes, um, he burns his plow, he slaughters the ox, gives it to them to have dinner, and then he goes and he runs after Elijah. For Elisha, 
That yes changed his life, like his day-to-day life. He burnt the plow. He killed the ox. Everything looked different from that moment on. That was a big yes. Sometimes it's going to require our lives to look different than they do now. And that's between us and God. If we're at a place where we're going to say yes to him, even though it might mean everything is about to change. Sometimes um, we, we have a, a knowing, like we just know, this is going to change my whole life, what I'm about to do. Am I going to say yes? But I want you to also notice how, uh, what Elisha was doing when, when uh, he was called. What was he doing? He was plowing the field. He was doing his everyday life, right? So sometimes... Those yeses are found in our daily routines. So back to Peter. I just thought this was so interesting. Peter, those big moments we know, like the walking on water, all the big, brave sounding moments. But when Peter first met Jesus, he was a fisherman and he was fishing. And so um, he's out on his boat fishing. Well, and Jesus comes to him and he says, go, go out catch me some fish. And um, Peter, this is a loose paraphrase. Please, if you want to read this, this is in Luke 5. Um, But so Peter goes out and he says, we've been out fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you asked, I'll go out and I'll, I'll let my nets down. So he goes out, he lets his net down. The nets are so filled with fish that they start to break and they have to call in backup. So after this, Jesus says to Peter, um, you're a fisherman, now you're going to fish for men. And so Peter dropped his fishing and went and followed Jesus. And so that is how Peter met Jesus, right? Now, after Jesus dies, after he rises from the dead, he shows up to the disciples again. And guess what Peter's doing? He's fishing. The Bible says, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And his friends said, I'm coming with you. And so they go out and they're fishing again. Now, is this, I've heard this taught, and I'm not saying that this is wrong, that Peter just turned back to his old ways. But what was Peter? Even Jesus said, you're a fisherman, but you're a fish for men. He was a fisherman. So after Jesus um, ascended, Peter went fishing because he was a fisherman, right? That's what he did. And so um, Jesus appears on the, the, the beach and he yells out to the fishermen and he says, do you have any fish? Because he's barbecuing on the beach. And so he says, do you have any fish? And they didn't know it was Jesus. And they said, no, we haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, put your nets down on the other side. They've been fishing. They're, this is their trade. They know what they're doing. But, but Peter says, because you said, I'll do it. So they put down their net on the other side. The net is filled with fish. And so they come in and they give um, Jesus some fish. Now, I just think it is so amazing that when, when uh, Jesus called Peter to follow him, he was fishing. And when Jesus, then after this happens, Jesus says, you're going to be the one who leads my church. Go feed my sheep. And he commissions him into his next season. But both times, Peter was fishing, Right? He was doing the same thing he knew to do over and over again. Sometimes the bravest thing that we can do is to 
be doing what we're doing all the time. Sometimes it is not a big, grandiose, Goliath walking on water moment. Sometimes it's doing the same thing we've been doing over and over and over again. But when Jesus says, do the same thing again, when Jesus says, throw your nets again, we say yes to him in that moment. And that is what launches us into the next part of our destiny. So um, sometimes it's just doing it again. Sometimes it's the, the bravest thing that we can do is not, is not what looks like a big life-changing moment. It's not a stepping off the ledge. Sometimes it's just do it again. Do what you've been doing, but do it again. And sometimes it's that yes, it's that moment of obedience that will launch us into our destiny. Good, I'm glad. Okay. So whether God is calling you out of the boat or just calling you to stay in your boat and cast your net out again, your yes will always lead you to a place that he has for you that is good, that is better. It's the best place we could possibly be. So we've, we've said, um, I don't know how long we've been saying it, but the best is yet to come, right? And we, like, we believe that. Like in God, the best is always yet to come. We are promised a good end. We're promised a good forever. So that holds that meaning. But um, like Pastor Joel and I were just talking about how sometimes we, we use that phrase so much in that aspect. But, um, but when I was actually preparing this message, I heard that phrase in another way. The best is yet to come. And I actually heard it as a challenge for us to actually believe that in our obedience, the best is yet to come. There is a, a, a calling of risk. There's a calling of faith for us to say yes to him. And every time we say yes to him, it's like we're saying with confidence, I believe that in my obedience, your best is for me. And so um, it was just like a, a new way of hearing that phrase, the best is yet to come. Not of saying, God, I know that your good is ahead for me, but it was me saying, I step out and I trust that when I step out in obedience to you, that my yes is always going to, res- to yield amazing results because it's my obedience is creating way for my purpose, is creating way for my destiny as a, an individual um, and, and together. You know, when we're worshiping and we're obeying, we're giving God the worship that he wants, that's a corporate expression of our yes to him that is leading us as a body into a new place, which is really awesome. It's really exciting to get to do that. And so will we trust him enough to leave some things that are good in order to have his best for us? And that's just a personal question that we just have to ask. Am I, am I at a place, am I willing to leave something that is good for something that is better because he's calling me into it? And with all of that said, sometimes we feel like we got to make that happen. Like, oh, okay, I have to take a risk. I'm going to sit down and figure what out, out what that risk needs to be. Because we don't have to do that. We don't have to sit down and try to figure it out. All we have to do is say, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to rest in you. And when that moment comes where we do feel his leading, drawing us, we do feel that, that uncomfortable feeling inside of us. All we have to do is then say, okay, I trust you. We don't have to try to figure out what it's going to be. So if you go out and you try to, you say, okay, she taught on brave faith. I got to make a big, bold move. You could mess some stuff up. 
if you're not doing it as a response to his leading. So you don't have to try to figure this out. The whole point of the message is the bravest thing that we can do is to hear him and respond to him. Hear him and obey. Hear and obey. Thank you, Dr. Tim, once again. We're hearing and obeying the voice of God. If it's that, if it's that big, maybe it's been brewing in you for a long time. And it's like, okay, I know that there's something there. I know that I need to step out. I know there's just, something's just not, it's like you're outgrowing your space almost, your, your, your internal space. Sometimes that's brewing for a long time and it's just a, a release of saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to step out and, and trusting that the ground's going to rise to meet you. And sometimes it's just not growing weary and well-doing. Sometimes it's just casting your net again. Sometimes it's just doing the same routine thing over and over again, but it's in response to, to obedience to him. God says, God, if God validates you, you know, to Peter, you're a fisherman. Fishing is the best thing that Peter could do. And so if it, his nets were coming up empty time and time again, I would think it's time to get a new job. It's time to go try something else. But sometimes it's not that. It's just throwing your nets again, right? So it's just our responsibility not to try to figure it out, not to try to go make something happen. It's just to hear and obey. And I love Psalm 119. Uh, This is verse 32. It says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Um, The next verses, 33 and 34 in the message says, God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long obedience response. So every time that you say yes to God, every time that you have said yes to God, that is still ringing through the through all of eternity. It's still reverberating throughout time. Every time that you say yes to God, it's alive. And so today, just as a body, um, I just want us to agree that those yeses are yes and amen in this place. So our amen is a declaration saying, so be it, right? It's an active proclamation, so be it for us. And so we're going we're gonna to do a slight, a little activation. All right, everybody take your shoes off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, can we all, can you all just grab the hand of someone next to you, the people next to you? All right. Now, together... There are so many yeses in this room, it's like they couldn't be counted. And sometimes it's like just the slightest moment of like that waking up in the morning and saying, thank you, Jesus. That's a yes to God. Every time we turn our face towards him, it's a yes to God. And those things are ringing throughout all of history, all of eternity. And sometimes we see the results of it. And sometimes we'll never see the full extent of our yeses to God. So in this room, there are countless yeses. And what we want to do today is just, we're just going to together just declare an amen in this place. And what we're doing is we're just saying the yeses that have been spoken, we don't even think about half of the yeses that we make, but they're alive in this place and the yeses that are to come. And we're just breathing just an agreement, just a so be it, just a turning our face once again to God and saying, we will be brave in this house. We will be ones who obey and follow your leading 
So I'm just going to count to three, and we're just going to shout amen. Can we do that? One, two, three. Amen. We're going to do it again. Seven times till completion. No, we'll just do three. One, two, three. All right, so in this house, we just declare that all God's promises are yes and amen. So every time you turn your face to God, every time you respond to his leading, it's not just for a moment. You are creating history with yourself and God, but you're also creating history as a, a child of God, establishing the kingdom on the earth. So one more time. One, two, three. Yeah. All right.